0: We have two more verses from Scripture today. Both come from the New Testament. The first verse is from Colossians 3, chapter 13. It says this. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. And then we have the verse from Mark Chapter 9, verse 24. And immediately the Father looked to Jesus and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. The Word of the Lord. Have you seen the drama series on Netflix entitled House of Cards? Our former building manager, David Barnett, first told me about this series about two years ago and when he announced that he had been watching it he had this strange and happy grin on his face and at the same time an extreme sense of fear in his eyes. So Ginger and I started watching. (laughs) House of Cards is now into its third season. It's set in present-day Washington, D.C., House of Cards is the story of Frank Underwood, a congressman from the 5th District in South Carolina who also functions as the House Majority Whip. He's a person obsessed with power who will do anything aided by his wife Claire, played by Robin Wright, to get more power. Frank Underwood is played by the famous and award-winning actor uh, Kevin Spacey. The series deals primarily with themes of ruthless pragmatism, manipulation, and Washington politics. So now in its third season, Frank Underwood has become President of the United States. And after watching, I get why David Barnett initially had that grin and that fear in his eyes. Ginger and I often watch the show. Actually, we sometimes watch several episodes at once and we try to find one character any character with redeeming qualities <laughs> it's all about ruthlessness it's about viciousness it's about meanness in life and as this is if this is really typical we have a lot to worry about well in an episode deep into this third season frank underwood is in the white house and he goes into a huge rant at his potential vice presidential candidate, putting this person, who had been a very close ally, in her place. The rant displays the viciousness, the aggressiveness, the power-grabbing ways of Underwood once again. He yells that his people get in line. What he expects from every person is unconditional loyalty. That's what he says. And then... Right after this intense conversation, one of the president's aides expresses to the president how he was too ruthless, how he was too mean, too selfish, and how he needs to treat his close staff and his confidence better. And then one of the White House gardeners, who actually knows the president well, says this to the aide who was speaking that to the president. It don't do do no good calling a man out like that. He can't help it. It's like blaming a snake for having fangs. (laughs) That's who he is. In other words, there's no point expecting him to change. So here's the question for the day. Are we able to change? Or are we mostly, by nature, more, more ruthless and vicious and selfish? Are we? And here's the question more specifically related to our text today. Can we actually forgive? Or is that just a grandiose expectation? And can we receive forgiveness and incorporate forgiveness into our lives and be changed? The forgiveness especially that comes from God? Or is that just a grandiose expectation? Forgiveness is such a prominent theme all through Scripture. God keeps forgiving God's people for forsaking God's ways. And God keeps calling us to forgive as we've been forgiven. You know this. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In our passage today from 1 John A short letter deep into the New Testament, the most important and opening words of that letter say this, God is light and in God there is no darkness. We're called to walk in the light and we're called to have fellowship with one another and at the heart of that walking in the light includes the truth about ourselves. We all fall short. We might even be ruthless and selfish and and vicious, but... When we confess our sins, 1 John tells us God forgives us and cleanses us, cleanses us for a faithful life of living and serving God. And then we have that verse from Colossians, that one verse about how we live, bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you must forgive. Can we do that? Can we change? Can we be changed by forgiveness? Can we become the kind of people who are less and less ruthless and more and more compassionate? Can we become people who are less and less greedy and aggressive and more and more generous? Can we become something other than full of grudges and be about grace? Can we bear with one another and forgive each other? Can we? I envision us actually much like the man who brought his epileptic son to Jesus. He was so desperate for something more, something different, something freeing than his son's sickness dominating his life. We often find ourselves bound up held by burdens related to forgiveness. We cannot forgive ourselves for some incident that could have been so different. We cannot very well accept God's forgiveness. We keep carrying it around. Can't accept God's forgiveness no matter how many times we've heard about it. Again and again, it's just too much. It eats at us. This incident, perhaps. And of course, we have people in our lives. We all have people in our lives that we know we ought to forgive, but it's just too hard, too painful, hurts too much. It's too complicated to forgive that person. And we remain bound up, bound up, held captive to issues or guilt or shame or anger or something else toward someone for something that happened Jesus said everything is possible for the one who believes and the man said I believe help my unbelief you may know this the word in Latin for mercy is eliaison we often sing Kyrie eliaison It means, Lord, have mercy. Eliaison, the word literally means to unbind. In English, we have a related word, liaison, and it means bond, connect. Eliaison, mercy, unbind. When we refuse to forgive, or cannot receive forgiveness that comes from God or from someone else, we remain invariably bound up in a horrible bind. And what we need is to be unbound, unbinded. In this sense, we're like the Father, desperate for Jesus to unbind His Son from His epilepsy, the chains of epilepsy. Likewise, when we refuse to forgive someone else, we hold them firmly entrenched in the bondage of our hearts, and it too often generates anger and vengeance within us. But when we forgive, we loose others, loose, unbind them from the complex web of our lives and our hearts, and unbind them from all the Attachments of anger that eat away at us. Eliaison, El God's mercy. that comes to unbind us. And it intends to be something that we share with others. Unbound, we seek to live unbinding. Marjorie Thompson. Presbyterian minister, Presbyterian writer, Presbyterian spiritual director reminds us that one of the possible translations of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer, the petition on forgiveness, based on connotations and insights from Aramaic words that Jesus might have used, the translation might sound something like this. Loose the cords of mistakes binding us. As we release the strands we hold of others' guilt. Forgive us our debts, in other words, equals loose the cords of mistakes binding us. And then as we forgive our debtors, becomes as we release the strands we hold on others' guilt. That's about moving from being unbound to unbinding. It's moving from being bound to unbinding. Finding release to live. Live with God and live with others. That's about moving from being knotted up and held and captive through forgiveness. Receiving it and offering it and finding liberation. Jesus seems to think with great confidence that indeed we can all be changed because he instructs us to forgive. Again and again, instructs us to forgive. Seven times 70, he says, and he teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. By God's Spirit, we can be changed. And as God's chosen one, this is how we seek to live. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. It's not easy. It's complicated. There are lots of issues, but this is how we're called to live. Working on forgiveness. We believe, Lord. Help our unbelief. was a cartoon in the new yorker magazine it has two guys sitting next to each other in a church and they're facing the pulpit in this large sanctuary that's very crowded two guys are sitting next to other to each other and you can see in front someone standing at the pulpit and it's probably uh, the preacher and the first guy turns to his neighbor right next to him and says this one thing's for sure First National Bank is not going to forgive me my debts. (laughs) Maybe that's how we think. Maybe that's how we think. If forgiveness is a great idea, it's not very much, very well going to be lived out in our lives. If First National Bank is not going to forgive our debts, then maybe. God's not going to forgive our debts either. First National Bank is not going to forgive our debts. Why would somebody forgive me for what I've done? Why would I forgive myself for what I've done? If we question uh, forgiveness all around us, why would we push ourselves so hard to be working on forgiveness within our lives? It's just not possible, we think. Too often, too far from our lives, that's how we think. And if forgiveness is mostly a nice idea, no wonder our lives are more shaped by grudges than by grace. If forgiveness is mostly a nice idea, no wonder we often opt for litigation instead of reconciliation. Or focus on our rights or what we can gain and ascertain rather than what we can give and how we can be changed as God's faithful people. But friends, this Jesus, this Jesus will not let us off the hook. He won't. He keeps talking about this forgiveness, keeps speaking about forgiveness, telling us in various places that forgiveness is part of genuine life with God. That's what it, life with God looks like. It includes forgiveness. We've been forgiven. We're to forgive. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And Paul puts it very succinctly. It's not just a nice idea. It's a clear expectation. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you must forgive. This is part of the faithful life with God, the way of discipleship. And it's not just part of the faithful life. It's becoming more and more a part of the healthy, wholesome life. Scientists. Doctors are finding that forgiveness correlates to physical well-being. Scientists, doctors are finding that forgiveness includes better sleep and lower blood pressure and lower risk of heart disease and even increased life expectancy. Really, every bit you'd expect from reduced stress comes with forgiveness. An inability to forgive hampers our lives, our health. Our wholeness leaves us bound up, held captive, burdened. God knows we need to be released, relieved, freed for wholesome, purposeful, healthy life. One professor at Stanford, a guy named Frederick Luskin, has taught a forgiveness class for many years. Luskin argues that it's the practice of forgiveness in the small places of our lives that most shape and change us. As God's people. We assume that forgiveness starts with the big dramatic events. Uh, Either our grand sense of personal shame or the major hurts that we carry around and we cannot forgive. Luskin actually says we have to start with the smaller everyday things. Can you forgive your brother-in-law or your son-in-law for being so annoying? We start there. Can you forgive the snide comment that someone shared in some insignificant encounter that led you into judgments and condemnation? Can you forgive traffic on the way downtown to worship or during the week? We have to practice forgiveness Every moment of every day, with the things that happen to our lives, in order to be changed more and more into forgiving people. Bear with one another and forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, and then you will be changed. Part of what makes forgiveness so hard is that it demands constant selflessness. We have to detach ourselves from certain comments. We have to detach ourselves from certain interactions that hurt us, that anger us. We have to realize that the personality of the annoying person or the comments in some hurtful situation are more often about that person, not about you, about that situation and less about us. That realization is often difficult because we take things personally, but that realization begins to open the door to forgiveness and grace instead of hurt and grudges. Our calling, our way of life as disciples intends that we change and we keep changing the kind of Become the kind of loving and forgiven and forgiving people that God calls us to be. We're not just snakes with fangs. We're made in the image of God. All of us. All people. We're made in the image of God, and in Jesus, God became a human that we might become more like God. And that's certainly about forgiveness, receiving forgiveness sharing forgiveness, it certainly has to do with how we live and how we forgive. There's a remarkable story out of the Armenian church. You may recall that in the early 1900s, the Armenians were brutalized, brutalized by the Turks. There's a story about a Turkish officer who raided and looted an Armenian home. He killed the parents. He gave the daughters to his soldiers. He kept the eldest daughter for himself. This is the ugly stuff of terror and war. Sometime later, the eldest daughter, whom the officer took for himself, escaped from the Turks. And she trained as a nurse. And as time passed and the incident settled in Armenia, she found herself in a hospital and in a ward caring for Turkish soldiers. And one night, by the light of a lantern, she saw the face of the officer who came to her home, who killed her parents, who gave away her sisters, and who brutalized her. She saw his face. He was so gravely ill that without exceptional care, he was dying. The days passed, and the man got better, and then one day, one day the doctor and this particular nurse stood by the bed of this particular officer. And the doctor said to the officer, but for this nurse's care, you would have been dead. And the man in the bed looked at the nurse and he said, we have met before. And the nurse said, yes, we have met before. And the man said, why didn't you kill me? And the nurse said, because I follow the one who said, love and forgive. There continues to be lots of complexity in our lives, things in the news that challenge our society, injustice, racism, tensions. There are lots of issues that continue to challenge us Yet we can be changed. We can. In the great knowledge of God's forgiveness, we can seek to become and we can become the kind of people who love and forgive. By God's grace and spirit, we can become the kind of people God calls us to be. Loving, kind, faithful. We cannot undo what has happened to us. But we can move into a future that includes forgiveness and we can always be working to make new. We can find release from all that binds us and we can keep working for reconciliation and peace and justice everywhere. This is our calling. May it be our way of life. With the man we say, We believe. Help our unbelief. Amen. Let us pray. Shape us and mold us, fill us and use us by your Spirit, O God, to embody your forgiveness. Today, tomorrow, forever. Amen.